Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Brad with 1894 Outdoors. He's got a crazy cool TikTok account, and he also has a YouTube channel. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I've had a hard time finding somebody like you uh, that metal detects. I saw your account on TikTok and thought you were fantastic. And the things you find, so fascinating. I don't know you very well, and you don't know me very well, and I do that on purpose so we can kind of get to know each other over these podcasts. So... I love history, and I know you live in Pennsylvania or in that general area, and I think you stick around that area pretty much when you metal detect, unless I'm wrong, then you can tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> um, but that, but that's so rich in Civil War history, so tell me a little bit about what started you doing this and the areas that you actually do your hunting. Okay, so you know I've always loved history since high school, and actually, before I even metal detected, I was a bottle digger. And, you know, my best friend and I actually discovered early on that if we would dig bottles, we could sell them to antique stores. And that's how we actually made our, our money in middle school and high school. That was very so smart. Early. <laughs> yeah. So we started doing that. That's how we made our money, you know, in middle school and high school. And then my brother actually got his first metal detector. And, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, but it wasn't something I was 100% into right away. But we would go out and, we, you know, we would play around and he would find some cool stuff. But then one day we were out in a field and we actually discovered a Civil War mini ball, which is a rifle round to a Civil War gun. And they're specific to the Civil War. So right away, the history buff in me was like, this should not be here. Because I'm in Northeast Pennsylvania, which is miles and miles above where they would have had battles. Oh, wow. Okay. So from that day on, I right away I had to get my own metal detector because I couldn't let my brother find all this cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I got my metal detector. We ended up finding 200 or 300 Civil War mini balls, all different calibers and different sizes. And ever since then, I have just been hammering away at it. And you asked, you know, where I like to metal detect. So I pretty much stick to Northeast Pennsylvania, like you said. Right. I do travel around a little bit, but I, for the most part, pretty much in Pennsylvania. But I'd like to travel more in the future. Right. Well, I was noticing on your videos, because they're all so good. And I love the music you have in the background, that nice acoustic guitar playing. I love that. But I noticed you were finding those bells. Are they bells that you're finding? Yeah. So crotal bells. Okay. C-R-O-T-A-L. Okay. And what they would be, they're sleigh bells off of old, like, wagons. Oh. Yeah, they're very neat. And a lot of people have a hard time finding those, but I'm in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, and we have a lot of old carriage roads. So if you hunt the carriage roads, you can find those old bells. So what would be the purpose of those, just to alert people that they're coming? Is that the reason? What yeah, would, there would okay. be, like, there'd be strands of them, like Santa's sleigh, there's the strands of the bells. Right. It would be that, so that when people were coming down the road in their carriages, people would hear them coming. I love that. I had no idea. I really didn't. And you think of me being a history buff, I would know things like that. Alas, I did not. So, uh, but I have to ask you because when you're metal detecting and it's all like relics, whether it's bottles or coins or rings or, you know, the bells we talked about or the bullets, have you ever found anything that gave you the willies, like made you go, um, something isn't right with this piece. I don't know what's going on in my house. I mean, I know this is kind of a weird question, but my podcast does kind of go into this weird kind of thing <laughs> as far as hauntings and stuff. So have you found anything like that? I, I have one that comes to mind right away. Oh, um, really? Funny you ask. I'm, so my brother and I, he, my, my brother's my metal detecting partner. And okay. we went out and we were metal detecting an old family farm where my relatives have passed away. You know, it would have been probably 40 
years now, and we actually found an original silver dentures. So their top row of teeth. I saw that video. And I didn't give much context in that video, but it actually was my family members. And I mentioned that it's creepy because, you know, they they had passed away. And it was my family were the only people who lived at this farm. So you know it was theirs. Right, right. And my brother actually found them. So they're on his shelf at home. I'm actually pretty glad I don't have them because I just think they're <laughs> pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... In the moment, we thought it was really funny, and then kind of taking a step back, we're like, actually, this is kind of weird. Yeah, but it, did it give you, like, it wasn't haunted or anything, or it didn't, like, call your name at 2 in the morning or anything, right? Well, it's not in my house, so I'll have, well, maybe we'll have to ask him, because yeah. <laughs> it's living in his bedroom. Well, you know, with all these things you find, you just never know, you know, what's attached to it. And I know that's kind of a woo-woo thing, but anyway, let's get back to your metal detecting. So when I see the things that you dig up, and I see how you use your metal detector, and we talked... Just just a few minutes before we started recording, I did buy a metal detector off Amazon. And from what I understand, for a $100 metal detector, it's about the best one you can have. Have no clue how to use it. I don't really understand what I'm doing. You obviously do. But for the novice like me or anyone else that's interested in this kind of hobby, what is your best advice for people? Um, I know you do have a couple videos that suggest certain models to buy, but for people like me that have the $100 ones and we're stupid for buying it, but I do have land, 35 acres, and I'd love to find some arrowheads. I know you don't do that with metal detecting, but just any advice you can give us would be great. So when you first, you know, wanted to get into the hobby, I consider there to be three brackets of like entry for price. Was okay. your $100 metal detector by chance a bounty hunter? Um, it, That sounds right. I mean, and it had a lot of really good reviews on it because I just, I didn't want to spend a lot of money because I just didn't know if I'd stick with it, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I would say at, you know, about the $100 price range, the bounty hunter is the best you can purchase, in my opinion. Okay. That's an awesome entry-level machine. And I'll explain why after I go through the different stages. Okay. If your price point would be close to the 300, then there's four models that I would like to recommend that are excellent. And that would be the Nocta Macro Simplex Plus, the Ace 350, the Fisher F44, or the Vanquisher by Mind Lab. Okay. And that's one from the four major Melotecting brands. Gotcha. Um, okay. And they're all great. Then there's the next tier, which is, you know, getting over $1,000. But I would recommend everyone start at the 100 to $300 range before you jump into the professional line of metal detectors. They're just a lot more complicated. Right. And right now, this is really just a hobby for you, but have you made pretty good money or do you just keep everything? So for the most part, I keep everything or I try and give stuff back if I think it has any historical ties to the family. Right. For money, you know, a little bit here and there from YouTube and TikTok and a couple of metal detecting companies have been nice enough to offer me some things, but past that, I just keep everything. Oh yeah. Well, you know, and you keep them in a way, you preserve them in a way to where they'll stay in good condition for you, your family, or whoever wants to look at it. And I think that's fantastic. So let me ask you this. What is the weirdest thing you've ever found? Hmm. The weirdest. Okay. I have one. It, I wouldn't say it was weird, but it's, it makes you wonder. So I was detecting an old inn from my local town, and I actually found three very nice quality rings in the same exact hole. Really? Yeah, and I, you just, you got to question why. Yeah. Um, and the one was actually a white gold diamond engagement ring, which is still my only diamond ring I've ever found. Oh, okay. So the things that come to my head is like, you know, did a husband cheat on his girlfriend or wife and she took her rings off and threw them in the yard? Or, you know, what happened? Right, so right. That's, that's the most unique, like, weird thing I found. Right. And I know that you did find a ring from a woman who lost her ring when she was a child at her house when she was growing up. And I guess she would get on a swing 
and I guess she would just throw her ring out and the game was for her to go find it. And one day she did that and she never did find it. And it was, I think, something her mother had given her. Can you tell the rest of the story? Yeah, I love that story. So like you said, there was this big oak tree in her yard with a swing and she would take her ring and she would throw it out in the yard. And like you said, one day she threw it out in the grass and just could never find it. And you were right. It was her mother's ring. And so in my town, people are starting to catch wind that, you know, I like to build a tech that I'm, I will help people find things. Right. So I actually got a call from her and she said, hey, I lost this ring 70 years ago. Do you think you could try and find it for me? And that's 70 so, years ago. My 70, goodness. Yep. And she lived in the same house that entire time. She actually never moved. She lived wow. there her whole life. Okay. So, you know, I drove up to her house and she pointed me in the right direction. And that was actually my third hunt to find it. It, it took a few tries. It wasn't gotcha. easy. Then, yeah, I found a ring right where she had told me it would be. And right away, I, I got super excited. And I took it up to her front door and knocked. And she just lit up. It was awesome. Oh, I would have been ecstatic. And I know she didn't want to be on camera, but just you explaining it was still really cool. But the fact that you found her ring and you're kind of getting a name where you are now. People are like, hey, call Brad and have him go search your yard or whatever you need. I bet you if you've lost something, he can find it. Has anybody else done the same thing with you? Uh, actually, uh, a lot. Um, oh, really? Now, I haven't been as successful on a few hunts. There was a gold ring that I did manage to find for a man in my local town that he had lost that recently. So that was pretty much on the surface. It wasn't lost, you know, 50 years ago. And then actually did the same thing that someone lost um, a really expensive necklace that meant a lot to them. And they called me to ask if I could come try and find it. And I spent two days there trying to find it with no luck, which was really unfortunate. I would have loved to return that to her. Right. But yes, like you said, I got a name for myself as kind of being the the find it guy with the metal detector. And I, I love it. Absolutely. Now, your brother goes with you on the hunts and also films you, right? Well, no, I pretty much film myself, but my brother does go on a decent amount of hunts with me. Um, and then I have okay. a pretty large group of friends and other YouTubers who I've went out with as well. Well, and you, I actually found you on TikTok. And um, when I found you, I was like, hey, you know, you got a great page and I would love to interview you. And you were like, yeah, I just got on TikTok. Dude, you've got like over 50,000 followers already. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it happens really, really fast. You know, I've been making YouTube videos for like a year. And, you know, I, I gained a little bit of traction. I got 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love making these videos. But, you know, I had all this footage and I figured, you know, I hadn't had a TikTok at all. My girlfriend loves TikTok, so she's like, eh, throw some videos up. You never know what happens. Sure. So I started throwing up some old footage that I just had because I save everything because, you know, to me, saving this history and having it documented is everything. I just love being able to go back and seeing the things I dug up. Absolutely. So I started posting them here and there, and then my fourth video hit 100,000 views. And then wow. you know, a couple of days later, I had a 250,000 and then a 500,000. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so since then, I've been posting a video a day. Um, it really, really motivated me to, to get out. So right. it's been great. Well, and the consistency, I think, when, when you do that kind of thing is what makes it uh, so successful. And the fact that... It if anybody like me is a history buff, you're educating them. I didn't know what those bells were. I didn't know what those whiskey bottles looked like from the 1800s that you dug up. That was crazy cool. The, the whiskey bottle? Yes. Yeah. How old was that one? So that could be anywhere between 1830 and 1911. Wow. Now, are they always empty? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've never found a full one yet. If I did, I would I would find a gold mine. A full one of those would be well over $1,000. Oh my gosh. Because you know, one of these days, you're going to have to find one that's never been opened. I'm sure it wouldn't be good, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, I, well, 
I'm a bourbon guy. I, I collect bourbon as well, and I actually collect that company that that bottle came from. So if that would ever happen, that would be unbelievable. Oh wow! Well, see, you'd never want to touch it. You'd never want to try it. No. Well, someday I'm I'm actually hoping that someday I can try it. But tracking down a full bottle is not an easy task. I'm sure. Now I did ask you about the whole finding something and and having creepy vibes. Have you ever been to an actual site where you've gotten permission? Because I know you usually have to get permission to go to some of these places. I'm not sure how that works. You'll have to tell us. But have you ever gone to a place? where you felt like the place was haunted like around it or even the graveyard or just like a really old shack or building i have the perfect story for you actually oh yay um yeah it's a neat story so i got calls two of my youtuber friends potter county diggers and aqualand relics gave me a call that they were going out to a ghost town and that i should tag along and Ooh, that, nice um, they'd gotten permission to go to it so this ghost town was, it was a lumber town in like, I think it was the 1880s. Mm, okay. And the only way up to this town was a railroad. So once the snow would come in, they couldn't leave because they couldn't take the carriages of the railroad out. So they oh, were stuck wow. there all winter once, you know, winter came. Right. And this was during that time period where, unfortunately, a, a lot of young kids, you know, would get sick and, you know, wouldn't make it through the winter. So there was actually a cemetery on top of this hill that they took me to, which, of course, we would never mail the Texas cemetery. But just to see right. it, there's this cemetery that I made a video on on my page that was almost all children under five years old. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And it's we're talking probably 15, 20 miles from anywhere else, just on top of this gorgeous hill is this cemetery of children. And it it's eerie. I mean, I wouldn't say I got any scary vibes while I was there, but it's just the idea that, like, you know, these poor kids were stuck up here. Yeah, I mean, just stuck up there. And, and if they got sick, they couldn't leave until winter was over. And winter was usually the yeah. time they all got sick because they're all stuck together inside. I think I saw that video as well. And they were all just very old-looking little tombstones. Just nothing like you see now. No, really ornate. And the, the way the moss was growing into the one I showed was just beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if I want to find arrowheads, what is your best advice for me? Okay, so when Native American tribes would set up their camps, the way we've had success is, you know, they their first priority is going to be water. So okay. they would always try and find, you know, a, a creek or a stream. Okay. And then, you know, they were, they were really intelligent about planning out where they would camp. So they would actually build above flood level. So okay. the best place to look for an arrowhead is going to be a plowed field. And then you look at that field and you look for where there's a hump where it would be above the floodplain. Mm, okay. That's where they would have set their camp up. Really? Okay. Like how big would the hump be? Tell me a little bit more about that. So even if the ground level would go up like say two or three feet, just enough that if the water would rise, that would be the last place the water would go. Right. And that's where they would set up. Okay. I have a couple then, places in mind. Okay, great. And then the best way to do it is when you're first going out is, so arrowheads are made of flint. So the best time to go is in a plowed field, a freshly plowed field, right after it rains, because flint is like a dark gray or black color. Okay. And the rain will actually wash off the dirt from the arrowheads, and they'll make them a lot more visible. And then you're looking for, you know, blackish gray flakes, which would indicate that someone's flint napped there, and then that's where the arrowheads will be. Okay, fantastic, because I'm just like, I don't even know. I guess I could have looked on YouTube, but I'd rather ask somebody that I'm interviewing. So thank you, Brad. Yeah, no <laughs> so I also noticed in another video of yours, you found like an old World War II ring and you actually did some digging and you did an ancestral search to find these people 
and to return this ring. And that's one of the reasons I chose you. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you on my show. The morals that it takes for someone to not just keep these things and say, hey, look what I found. This is so cool. You really do your research and you try to find the people that actually, that the rings actually belong to their family. So tell me about that. Uh, yeah. So this just happened within the last month. And this story really means a lot to me. I'm sure. So- I was digging a permission that I had gotten. They had a homestead and a schoolhouse. And there had only been one family that lived there for the majority of the time. And then just recently, a hunting camp actually purchased it. And, you know, I I was not taking there a few days. And you found some cool coins and stuff. But then I found that that ring. Right. And when I first found it, it was just really exciting for me because I have never dug a traditional gold ring. I've only dug a white gold at this point. Okay. So I was just excited for me. I'm like, oh, this is my first gold ring. Really neat. But when I showed it initially in the video, people commented on this blue star that was on the top of it and thought, you know, maybe it was like a Jewish star. I don't know what they're called. Star of David or something. Right. Yeah, like the Star of David Mm -hmm. um, or something along those lines. So, you know, with that, I'm like, okay, maybe I can find history about this ring. Started Googling and we found out that it was a sons in service ring from World War II, which would have been when a son or a husband would have enlisted. Either the recruiting office would have given them as a token to give back to their mother as like a thank you. Right. Or when these soldiers were overseas, they would send them back to their mom just as a token of, like, support. Oh, nice. Okay. Gotcha. So you found this ring. Then what happened? So, you know, as soon as I found out it was World War II, you know, that's not something... And they're not common. They're they're fairly rare, actually. So at that point, I knew that I think I can figure out who this is. So we looked up who originally owned the farm, who lived there during World War II, and we got a name. And then... Like you said, we just started digging, and I actually have a friend, his his name's Ken King, and he makes videos under the name Adventures in Dirt, mm, and okay. he's actually my ancestry guy. He's great at doing that kind of research. So, you know, I, I gave him a name, and I gave him the address of the property, and we just ran with it, and we actually ended up finding, so this would have been the grandmother's ring. Okay. Um, her son, who would have been the soldier, had passed away, I think it was in the 80s, 70s or 80s, and then we found out that there was one living son of that soldier. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and he was 85. Well, he is 85 years old. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. And we found out where he lived. And from there, we started trying to call him. It took a while. We actually tried to contact him through Facebook. And, you know, it, it did take a couple of days to get a hold of him. And then one day, he just called me back. And, you know, I, I told him that... The ring doesn't have any initials in it or anything, but I said, hey, uh, my name's Brad, I, I dig up local history, and I think I found something that could have been your dad's or your grandmother's, and I'd love to return it to you. Now, how did you um, know, though, Brad? How did you know what family, if it didn't have any initials or anything, how did you know where to go? It was all circumstantial. I mean, it, I, I can never guarantee him that it was 100% his mother's. Right. But they, I'm from a very small town. Like, okay. a very, I, I won't say actually where I'm from in the right. video just because how small it is. Oh, yeah, no. Um, and it, does he live in that but, same town? Uh, does he live in the same town you're in? No. Oh, okay, it's okay. Two and a half hours away. Gotcha. But the family that owned this property during World War II, like during that era, there was only one. They built the farm. They were the only ones who lived there. And then no one had lived there since they passed away. Oh, I understand. Okay, um, so you went by the deeds and that kind yeah. of thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, looking back at old like old property maps and figuring out who owned it. And there was only one person with that particular name during that time frame. Mm, okay, okay. Um, so we were able, able to narrow it down. So, you know, he got a hold of him and... You know, I offered just to mail it to him, but I said that I'd love to meet him in person if if that would be okay. Yeah. And he was really excited about that because he actually hasn't been to where I live in 50 years. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Yeah, and I actually haven't told this story yet on TikTok because part of me is a little bit disappointed about it, but at the same time, it was still an amazing experience. Oh, absolutely. I can't take away from that. But yeah, so I drove down to, I actually, I made a case for this ring to put down, you know, what it is and who I think gave it to who. Right. Um, took it down to him and I ended up staying and talking to him for like almost three hours. And I answered him a lot of questions about my town and he was really curious about, you know, is this store still here or is this person still alive or... Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he had a blast. Like... He went to the same hunting camps that, like, I visit. So he was so curious if they were still around. Right. Wow, that's amazing. And a lot of things changed in 50 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you gave him the ring. So what happened after that? So he was absolutely thrilled about it because he doesn't have, he didn't have much from his dad, especially from World War II. And the other thing that he was excited about is he wanted to do genealogy on his own family, but just never had the, he's a very busy guy. He was a doctor. So he just never had that motivation to start. And, you know, this was that motivation that he needed to really start digging on his own. Right. What was the disappointing thing? So the disappointing part for me was that I really wanted to film his reaction. Oh, yeah. Um, because this is the second time for TikTok and my third time returning something and not being able to film the reaction. And I understand oh, you know, sure. why right. people yeah. don't want to be like filmed. But at the same time, you know, I'm like, I want to come off as genuine because I would never lie about doing something like this. No, the exactly. The time it happens, you know, it's easy to question, did it actually happen? Oh, absolutely. You know what? You should maybe offer just, hey, can I just put it in your hands and we just record your reaction, just the voice part, you know, and maybe put the camera on your face while he's or they're looking at it. Maybe something like that yeah. would be okay. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like eventually I'm sure I'll, this will happen and I'll be able to record it. But I even asked him, you know, if I could record it just his voice and he wasn't he wasn't interested. Oh, in that. so you yeah. Okay, gotcha. I understand. Yeah, well, then, you know, yeah. he's 85 years old and, you know, not super tech savvy. So I understand. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? The joy of you returning something to someone's family and it sounds like you were right on. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. And but to me, that's like such a gift. And it's so rewarding for the things that you do, because it's not about the money. I know you have a full time job. I don't I don't even know what you do. But I know this is a hobby. But I can't thank you enough for the people that you're doing this for. I mean, and thank you enough for educating the people that want to know more about our history, and about Civil War history, or about the area history. It's just it's so enlightening. And it's so interesting. And I just love your videos. And now are all your videos also on YouTube, all of the ones that are on TikTok? So, as of recently, just because TikTok wants you to film vertical and YouTube wants you to film horizontal. Oh, right. Um, some of my more recent videos actually are just on TikTok. That makes sense, but yeah. I'm working on getting a setup to do both. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Where do you want to go with this? Do you just want to keep it a hobby or are you wanting to maybe do more with this if you could? Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now I'm, I'm in the works. I'm talking to a few companies that would help me, you know, be able to travel a little bit. And Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd like to see as far as I could take it. So I'm currently actually in graduate school. So that's okay. why I had the time to do this. Sure. So, you know, in, in a year and a half, I'll start my real job or my PhD. And then nice. I'll still always mail detect, but I don't know where it's going to go yet. Well, you know, who knows? Right. Well, you never know. I mean, if you love it as much as I think you do, absolutely. You you probably can do a lot more than you think you can do. If nothing else, just have a lot of followers and maybe uh, grab a couple of sponsors and just be able to... Um, have everything kind of paid for so that you can travel and you can show more people all over the place around the United States or maybe even around the world. It could even get that big. Keep up. Keep it up. It just sounds like so much fun. You look like you're having a blast. 
And I just love your videos and I contacted you. So, so Brad, before we go, um, I know you love the coins you've been finding and all the coins actually. So can you give me some specifics about some of the coins you found? So when I first started filming, I set aside six coins that I really want to find. They're my six bucket list coins. Okay. And they are a two cent, a half cent, a seeded dime, a flying eagle cent, and a large cent, and a Spanish real, which are all coins from the 1800s or earlier. And actually, in the last two weeks, I've found three of my six. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I went a year without finding one. And then in the last couple of weeks, I found three. And I actually found, so it started, I found an 1887 seeded dime, which, you know, would be the dime that came before the Barber dime. Okay. So that would be right after the Civil War. Wow. So I was over the moon about that. Yeah. And then, you know, this past week, I found a two cent coin, which was from 1864, which was my number one coin I wanted to find. Wow. Um, you know, it's a Civil War date. And my original logo for the channel is actually based off that coin. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I found that coin and I found it at a place where I never would have even thought I would find something like that. And, you know, for my videos, I like to add in, um, like, a pretty scene to, like, transition. So, like, just me malefecting. Sure. So I walked up over the hill to film this pretty scene, and I'm recording, and I get this good signal on my mail detector. (laughs) And after the fact, I dig it, and it's a 1772 Spanish Real. What? (laughs) Yeah, which is actually older than the United States of America. Oh, my gosh. So that was my, yeah, that's my oldest coin. Really, really cool. Well, it was meant to be. I'm telling you, you're standing there, you know, recording something else, and all of a sudden your metal detector goes off, and you're like, oh, what is this? Oh, okay. The universe is answering me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Brad, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you on social media and on TikTok and on YouTube? Tell us everything about the name of your page and where they can find you. So you can find me everywhere under 1894 Outdoors. The TikTok has an underscore between 1894 and outdoors, and the YouTube is just a regular space. And I also have a website that I just started up at 1894outdoors.com. Great. Awesome. And I'll add all of this on my show notes. So anyone that's listening now, you can just scroll down and click on that as you're listening. And uh, you can go straight to his page. And uh, Brad, thank you so much. You have been fantastic. And I have had a blast talking to you about this. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on your show. If you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.